And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your most favorite hour of fantasy sports and really anything your entire week. It's the Atlantic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Under the Radar. It's uh, this, this episode, as all of them are, brought to you by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Um, Alex Pardee came through with another awesome one. I don't know if everybody saw it, but Fernando Tatis Jr. as the Predator. Anyway, uh, as you know, we've been hyping it up for several weeks. Ian and DVR are both gone. Ian's on vacation. DVR is moving cross-country. Uh, so we brought in a couple new guests. You're going to love them, hopefully as much as I do. Uh, first, on the phone... The legend, wise guy baseball, writer for The Athletic, Gene McCaffrey. Hello, how you guys doing? Gene, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is great. This is going to be fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And joining us from Parts Unknown, you know him from the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. It's Baseball Newsletter. No, it's Joe Sheehan. Joe Sheehan, thanks for joining us, I, I like the idea of changing my name, actually. That could work for me. <laughs> I think you should. I, I, think I, get a, I get a new social security number with that. Good to, have, good to be here, Nando. Uh, by the way, one of the greatest disappointments of my last two weeks uh, was your lack of Yankees anger um, in the Joshian newsletter trade wrap-up. Well, I, I, I didn't think it was a bad trade. The Gallo trade was, wasn't bad. Certainly the Rizzo trade wasn't. Um, they got what they needed. Uh, I, don't, I was surprised that they bought. But even now, they're, what, three and a half out of the wild card? So, you know, it makes sense for them. Uh, so, Joe's, Joe, I... I Consider Yankees guy. Gene, I consider uh, Rockies guy. So I'm going to throw out some some Rockies questions as we go along in this because I read a Trevor Story column. I think it was by Nick Groke here at The Athletic. And, uh, man, like it was like Trevor Story. You know, let's get into that right now. I didn't put him on the rundown, but I just read the story. So, Gene, uh, Trevor Story kind of like opened up and he was like, look, you don't know how impossible it is to play with all this trade stuff going on and knowing you're going to be traded. And he's hitting, you know, it's the worst hitting career of his – the worst hitting season of his career. Um, is this going to be Trevor story, like vintage Trevor story, just angry vintage. I'm a Rocky. I don't care for like the next two months. Uh, I would think yes. Uh, but I, I want to correct you though. I am not a Rockies guy. Really? I just happen to live out here. Yeah. I grew up a Cardinal fan uh, in New York going to Shea and rooting for the Cardinals, uh, made you tough. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, now I'm pretty much pre- purely mercenary and I root for whoever I have, but if the Cardinals make the playoffs, then I still root for them. But you had I think all, they're kind of a boring team. You had all these Rockies. Oh, the Cardinals are the most boring team ever, every year. But uh, you had like this Rockies insight. I, maybe or maybe you're not a Rockies guy, but you have Rockies insight. Maybe just from living out there, like you were you were touting like Jonathan Daza before the rest of the world. Yeah, I have a sort of secret email correspondence with uh, um, the owner with the Monford guy. I contact him. I don't bother him too much, but he. Uh, I ask him questions, and he actually gives me answers when I ask him. So uh, I have to ask him what the hell he's doing now because nobody ever knows what that team is doing. Um, yeah, I would expect Story to uh, Story to get angry and uh, and start hitting because, after all, that's what he is. 
So I always expect every player to be what he is soon. And the only thing to do is figure out what they are. I just, I mean, like I know most trade deadlines and fantasy leagues have passed, I believe. Uh, but Joe, if you're, if you're a Trevor story manager right now, are you like, yeah, let's let these, I'm fired up now with these quotes. Like he was messed up and it showed on the field and now he just knows his, his fate and destiny. I'm just happy for the extra, what would it be? 25, 30 games at Coors Field. If he gets traded, I don't get that benefit. So once he was, whether he was happy about it or not, once he wasn't traded, I, I won as a story fan. Even if you're in a league, you know, like a mixed league where you weren't going to lose him if he goes to the AL. Um, just getting the extra Coors Field games matter. I don't, you know, I think he wanted out because, you know, losing isn't fun. And, you know, he sees Arenado now going to get play in St. Louis and at least marginally in a, a playoff race. Um, he's got, you know, the players aren't dumb. They recognize that their organization has run pretty poorly at this point. Um, and I think he wants out. I, I thought there was some chance, given how bad he was playing, that he was a risk to take the qualifying offer this winter. But based on these quotes, I no longer consider that. To be yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scorched earth. Um, Very much. Yeah. All right, so we'll, maybe we'll hit some Rymel Tapia later. But uh, I want I want to start with uh, since this is under the radar, Yadiel Hernandez, um, who you know he was picked up in basically every league where I didn't already have him uh, that I played in and just kind of forgot to grab him. But it looks like the door is open for some playing time for him now. He's hit everywhere he's been. I mean, he was hitting three oh three. He's got four homers and two steals and limited at bats. There's a great story about how he smokes cigars after he wins. Uh, after wins, um, he's older. I mean, but this is the year of the older guy breakout. Gina, are you uh, are you really really high on Yadiel Hernandez, or just uh, really high on Yadiel Hernandez? Well, there's no question he's a major league hitter. I mean, the, the age is not really a factor because of his bizarre circumstances. You know, coming over from Cuba, and you know, so that we can throw that out the window and just consider him a really good hitter in post prime. Uh, but I mean, you look at how hard he hits the ball the other way. He's got opposite field power. I don't really think he can be stopped. You know, he threw a runner out at the plate last night, and uh, so all the people criticizing his defense have been. Uh, I mean, he's not a great fielder, but I think he's good enough to to get by. And if they have the next DH next year, which they probably will, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, he's like a, a solid major league hitter who's gonna who's gonna hit for some average and for, for some power. Do you do you reject him playing every day, going the rest of the way now? Like I was just looking at the lineup. I'm like, yeah, he has to, right? Like, why would you keep him out of the lineup? There's no reason not to keep him out of the lineup, and they got to find out now if he can hit lefties or not. So this is the time to do it. So I assume that is what they will do. They're actually a pretty well-run organization. Joe, how about you, man? Are you uh, are you on this bus with us? See, I'm not, because um, I think that he's been in this organization for five years now, and they've not really looked to him before. I mean, he raked in in 19 in the minors, and we still had you know Gerardo Parra playing left field in the World Series. You look last year, they could have given an opportunity. They really didn't do it. Even this year, you know, they, they signed Parra rather than play, play uh, Hernandez. I look at a team that has Andrew Stevenson out there. Remember, Hernandez can only play left. So, you know, Robles is going to play, Soto's going to play. So you've got Parra, you've got Stevenson, you've got Hernandez all vying for that those left field at-bats. And, yeah, he started four games out of five since uh, – since the weekend, but I, I look at Stevenson as the guy who I'm still you know, probably a bigger fan of than I am Hernandez, the age difference, the likelihood that he's going to have value going forward a little bit better defensively. They also picked up Lane Thomas. And I think they'll probably want to take a look at him um, before the season's out. So no, I'm, I'm, I think both from a, I, I think he's a good, not great hitter, but I think I look at everything else. And I think he's going to have to fight for playing time. The second he goes over four in consecutive games, we're going to see Stevenson where we're, we're going to see Parra, et cetera. 
By the way, Joe Sheehan News, I, I think you could just Google Joe Sheehan Newsletter, but I know you have an official. It's like joeshean.blogspot.com, right? Where you get a no, just joeshean.com. Oh, nice. Sheehan. Oh, congratulations on dropping the blog spot. No, well, I mean, it's Dave Peace, my old BP colleague, bought joeshean.com for me like 15 years ago. It was a great uh, going away gift when I was leaving Prospectus. So joeshean.com if you want all the information. Because that other Joe Sheehan could have stolen it. There are a lot of Joe Sheehan's out there, actually. Yeah, but there's other, there's other baseball Joe Sheehan, right? Right. That's what, like I'm I'm the dumb Joe Sheehan within my own industry, so that's a great thing. Yeah, Joe Sheehan, there's founder no of Baseball founder Prospectus. To... Dumb Joe Sheehan, founder of Baseball Prospectus. Right, because the other ones, the assistant GM or the, the the Blue Jays, and he used to do some great work over at behind, I want to say it was either Hardball Times or Behind the Box for one of those sites. He was one of the early guys doing pitch FX stuff. Really, really bright guy, and now, like, say he's uh, hoping to push the Blue Jays into the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm I'm the second smartest Joe Sheehan in my own industry. All right, well, you know, I'm the second smartest Nando, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned Vic- the smartest gene. This, this is the smartest gene that we got. <laughs> hey, uh, Sheehan mentioned Victor Robles' gene, and I, I just dropped him in a di- – like straight up dropped him in a dynasty league where his price was bad and it was the deadline and no one wanted to trade for him. Um, and just to, you know, go have a feeding frenzy on him. But like I mean, like I had him at I think twenty five dollars for next year in a deep dynasty league, and it just didn't want anything to do with him, man. Is is this fixable, or is this has he shown what he is? I think he's shown what he is. I mean, he's had plenty of opportunities. You never know. I mean, a guy like that. I mean, he's got the raw talent. There's no question about it. But the hit tool just doesn't seem to be there. So uh, I mean, he's had a lot of chances. They want him to work, but he hasn't worked. So. Uh, I, I would have dumped him too. Joe, is this, a, is this like a Byron Buxton kind of thing? Where I mean, it, obviously that was more injury, and Robles is just not hitting. Is it? Is it time? There, there's a difference here between Buck, Buxton can't stay on the field. I'm just trying to think of someone who had their breakout later after we gave up. Maybe Jer- maybe Jerkson Profar. Well, that's the thing. It's Robles, possible. Robles is still just 24, and but the the bat to ball. I mean, he just he's one of the weakest hitters that we 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 have in the game today. And it's just not a, a sport right now where you can get away with that. You have to have a certain minimum of strength, a certain ability to drive the ball. And he just doesn't seem to have it. If he hits even 240, I think he's a really good player. You know, that's that's where he gets to five to 10 homers. That's where he gets to 20 to 25 steals. But, you know, at hitting 190, you're just not on base enough to put the other things in play. So I still like him. I kind of come at it. And I think you guys know I'm more historically a strat player, a score sheet player. So a guy that has that kind of defensive ability, a guy that still has that kind of walk rate has some value in those games, but from a roto standpoint, yeah, I, I don't, I, I can understand why you dropped him in a bunch of leagues. I think his really his only chance is to go against the grain, and you know it doesn't matter if you're what your launch angle is if you're a slap hitter. Right. Um, I mean, if he decides to become Brett Butler or something like that, uh, take the Adam Frazier route to uh, to hitting three hundred and then running crazy, that he might be able to do. But I think that as long as he's trying to be a traditional or traditional for this type for this era of baseball, I don't think he's going to make it because I don't think he's got enough pop in his bat. But if he slaps the ball around, maybe that could be his route to a career. He's, so he's really in danger now of not having a career, I think. I, I agree with you. and But I think what's saving him right now is that there just aren't a whole lot of center field options on that roster. Stevenson is the guy who would probably play there. Maybe you'd stick Parr out there. Um, but I think the fact that the defense plays is keeping him, 
you know, in the lineup. He's an interesting arb call. I mean, to me, he looks like a non-tender this winter. And maybe if he does get non-tender, he lands in a different situation. That's the wake-up call. You mentioned Profar. Profar had a decent year with the Rangers, though, um, before he ended up in San Diego. I'm trying to think of some other guys who, you know, had the, were like change of scenery types. Um, Robles, I think, will be on a lot of post-hype sleeper lists next year. Yeah. I've- the other thing is that Stevenson is really fast and probably can play center field. So. By the way, I'm, uh, for most of the show, I'd just like to get out of the way and let you two talk. That's why you're here. So, please don't wait for my cues if you guys want to jump in, which you're already doing. But continue. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm stepping back. Um, I just assume listen to Gene for 45, 45 minutes. I know, sure. right? I have nothing to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was trying to like. I mean, Robles isn't in the rundown. We're just going off what Joe said. But like, I was trying to think of some comparisons. Like, like you said, who would just. You know, this is a guy who's top 25, I think, ADP for fantasy baseball the last couple of years. Well, you know, the shine's been off a little bit now, but people had big plans for him, and it just wasn't happening. And I can't, like, even Billy Hamilton, like, you know, he had 100 steal potential. Like, Robles, he's not there. He's not the steals guy. Um, anyway, if we think of anyone just, else. If you just look at him through age 22, 258, 327, 431, basically league average hitter minus. 31 steals, not a great percentage, 20 home runs. Like, this is the guy he was not two years ago. He was 22 years old with that kind of profile. I just, I'm not ready to give up on that. I, I, I think, Gene, I'm with you. I don't know if the bat to ball is just going to be a nod. He makes contact, but he makes the weakest contact in baseball. Um, is that going to work? I don't know, but I just I don't want to give up a guy who at 22 looked like he could be a 2020 guy hitting 260, 270 for a while. No. That's- yeah, it's possible, but the you know the the direction is wrong. Absolutely, I mean he's not getting better. He's not you know he's uh, all all aspects of his game except for the defense have really really fallen off. So to me, he's a, he's a candidate there. to end up in, out by Gene. I mean the Rockies' problem for here. I mean they don't really have a true center fielder. Um, if you take right. Robles and put him out there and let him hit in that environment, you know he doesn't have a, an unrealistic. He basically has a league average strikeout rate twenty three percent. Um, obviously the, again, you still have the fact that he's not hitting the ball hard, but just putting the ball in play and catching everything out in that outfield gives you a lot of value. So again, if he does get non-tendered this winter, man, I, if I'm the Rockies, I snap him up. But will it? He's walking. He is walking more yep. and that, you know, and that's, that's not nothing. So maybe it's a case of, he's going to have to carry this team a little more now too. I mean, like you clear out a lot of these good players and stars and you know, you're left with Victor Robles under that spotlight. Well, the games don't matter. I mean, the Nationals' next 60 games are really just about finding out what they have, whether it's Hernandez or Stevenson or uh, some of these pitchers. Um, I don't I don't think hey, you, you worry about carrying a team when the wins and losses don't mean a whole lot. Well, maybe carrying the lineup is better. How about that? Yeah. Like, you, I mean, you are the guy now, and maybe without all this pressure of having to win or anything, you're just, you know, you're relaxed. How about that? I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, we're going to hop around a little bit. I want to talk Nestor Cortez. This is basically just, you know, some guys I'd like to hear some opinions on. Um, it looks like he's being stretched out five innings, 79 pitches. I mean, they went and got Andrew Heaney, but I think there's, I mean, Nestor Cortez has been really good. And throughout his minor league career, he's been excellent. Um, and it's someone really smart said to me something like if Brian Cashman, you know, likes a guy, he has this tendency not to, not to hype them up or, you know, he he doesn't bring them up a lot. Um, and I feel like Nestor Cortez back on the Yankees, uh, I don't like. I, I just love. I love his minor league numbers. I love what he's doing right now. I like that he's pitching well during a stretchout period, um, and he's doing he's doing good things against good teams. And this is Boston and Tampa Bay. He's had his last couple against, and he's been good. Um, I think I want to like. Is this 
a move where, you know, in a month, we're going to be like, oh, Nestor Cortez still has a sub three ERA and he's pitching brilliantly for the Yankees with a K per nine of like 10.5. Um, or is this something where they're just going to mess with him and squeeze him back into middle relief? Uh, Gene, we'll go with you first. Well, I mean, he's your basic finesse lefty. So he's not going to have a long career unless he's Jamie Moyer, which happens once a generation. So, I mean, I'm figuring that he's going to, they're going to figure him out at some point. I mean, I like him too. I like watching him. He's fun. Um, he's got a real mix of pitches that he uses, and he's he, he's doing a great job. And he could probably keep it up for a little while, but I don't think he's a he's a long term answer. Maybe as a once through the order reliever. All right. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, Joe. Yeah. I, the reason he's below the radar is he has literally no decisions this year. No wins, no losses, no saves, which goes to the usage pattern. You mentioned the five inning start. It was the first time all year he'd gone that long in a game. I think the Heaney trade you look at the yankees getting kluber back getting severino back uh, you know there's it's constantly whack-a-mole with the yankee rotation i, I think cole and herman are going to be out for a bit now but I, I don't see him getting enough starts to have value in that role and he's probably third in line for saves maybe fourth behind uh britain green and chapman so uh, he's somebody who <clears throat> as a strat player i'm looking at the numbers and going please give me that card like that's going to be an incredibly fun strike card next year. Like probably a three inning endurance right. and no save, no save rating, but like the, the card's going to be fantastic. But from a roto, even a point standpoint, there's just it's hard to find how you use this guy. The innings from week to week are going to be fairly low. Uh, the performance is going to be great. Like I say, as a real baseball weapon, you know, I'm with you, Nando. I mean, the Yankees make the playoffs. Nestor Cortez in a short series can be a true weapon. But from a, a roto standpoint, over the next two months, I just don't see it. This, the Yankees, like they have Cortez and they have Loisiga, who I think I like are could be starter. Like in an alternate universe, they could be anchoring this rotation. Right, but the Yankees have something. I mean, they're incredibly valuable in the roles that, that they have. I mean, Loisiga right. was they missed him when he was out. Obviously, you know, he, he had the pitching on back to back days is going to be an issue. Uh, we saw that in the the blown no hitter, but it's like those two guys pitching, you know, fifth through seventh and leading into the Green Britain Chapman part of the bullpen. And this is. I'm not saying it's going to be the most entertaining baseball in September. Yankees are going to be doing the four to five inning start thing, but they have more than enough pitchers to get away with that um, in a pennant race and then into October. So, uh, you know, again, from a baseball standpoint, this is a really interesting uh, team, but the fantasy value is still going to be collected in in just a few guys. You know, the interesting thing about Cortez is that he's been fantastic against right-handed batters. And uh, it's interesting to see, you know, the, which managers are going to, by rote, send up the lefty pinch hitter to face him, or and or the righty pinch hitter to face him is what I'm saying, and uh, and make an out. Uh, I don't know why. Why don't teams use relievers once through the order? I mean, any you guys have any thoughts on this? I mean, they're so strict about not letting the starters go more than twice through the order, but why not have a reliever who goes once through the order all the way? Rather than pitching an inning or an inning in the third or something like that, you know, and do it, you know, give them two or three days off and then do it again. Um, I think a lot of pitchers be very effective that way. I'm with you, Gene, and this is one of the great changes that I hate over the last maybe 15 years. It went from matchups, you know, the Larusa style lefty righty to you pitch the seventh, you pitch the eighth, you pitch the ninth. You'll see guys go out, throw a seven pitch seventh inning, and then be replaced by the next guy because that's just the way it's done. And you had the situation now. There was an article of prospectus that pointed out, I, you know, I, I apologize, it might have been Fangraphs, but pointed out that the number of back-to-back days has also been reduced. So you have pitchers who aren't going multiple innings, 
and aren't pitching back-to-back days. So we've reduced the workloads on these guys to almost nothing. Gina, there are pitchers all over the league that I think would do exactly what you do. Instead of using them for one inning and 12 pitches, use them for two innings and 24 pitches because they have the skills to go get. Most pitchers now work vertically as opposed to horizontally, so they have the skills to get out both righties and lefties, and they clearly should have the endurance. We've got this thing where a guy can't come into the game sit for 15 minutes and then come back into the game. That's become a thing that managers just don't like to do anymore. And I think that's one of the big mistakes in modern relievers. I got to say, guys, I've seen Josh Hader probably 10 times this year pitch a knockout ninth inning. The game goes to the 10th and they bring in, I don't know, Bob McClure or somebody, Bill Wegman, some, some <laughs> random brewer. Say John Axford. John Axford's back. Although he's John hurt. Axford's back. Yeah. Well, and he's out, he's back because Hader is, is, is sick. But um, it's, it's just a, I, I just want to say I'm really right there with Gene. I would love to see more two-inning relievers, especially in these situations where guys just plow through the first inning on like 10, 12 pitches. All right, I'll be in for Yeah, that. I would save them. You know, they could maybe have a guy to pinch hit for the backup catcher with the bases loaded in the seventh inning instead of having three guys on the bench yep. so that they can have 15 pitchers who never pitch. And then they still wind up with position players throwing in blowouts. I don't get it. I don't Foster management's a mess. But what do you, I mean, it looks like they're trying to at least change it with a three batter minimum. You know, at least push it in the right direction. Well, the three batter minimum hasn't changed much. No, it hasn't. It corrected a problem that has been gone for 15 years. The three batter minimum, that's not the way got teams run their bullpens anymore. If there was, you don't get this lefty, righty, lefty anymore. I mean, I'm not saying it never happens across the league on a given night, but that's not the dominant model of using relief anymore. Typically, pitchers come in and get their full inning. Um, it was, it's, it's, it's fixing a problem that no longer exists. It was a great rule for 2008 or something. Um, right. I, I, you, the other thing they tried, they were going to do last year was cap pitchers at 13, which is still far too high a number. Um, and they got away, they went away with that because of the pandemic. I think that rule is going to come back next year, but it's still too big a number. So you've got five starters and eight relievers. And if you juggle the back of your bullpen, the way these teams do all the time, you respectively have a 10 man bullpen, every night, which is ridiculous. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. <laughs> Let's talk Ha Sung Kim. Um, and then we're getting into Hoi Jun Park. And uh, there, there's just a couple of guys, you know, like we just talked about Yadiel Hernandez before, and I loved Adelis Garcia because of this, but um, I don't know, there's a lot of players coming over from foreign leagues. Uh, they just have a little more seasoning, I think, and that counts as minor leagues for me. And it's like minor leagues on a, just a bit of a higher level. So um, it might get me, you know, nine times out of ten. Yoshi Sasugo is another guy who I was really enamored with. And I think, actually, L.A. is going to fix him. That toe tap that Tampa Bay had, they were messing him up. He just got hurt and didn't really have a chance. And now he's buried on, on the roster. But anyway, uh, Ha Seung Kim, 
Uh, Fernando Tatis is out. No one really knows for how long. I mean, that shoulder just keeps getting re-injured. Virginia Zakis, who's our uh, injury person, has talked about it. Like, he's going to need surgery. This is going to happen over and over again. And I, I actually have Kim on a few teams. Um, he can play several positions. But I, I don't know. Like, is it... And I guess, Gene, I'll go to you first. Like, with someone like Kim... Um, First of all, you have some guys in the infield who can move around and play several positions, so he's not really guaranteed to play every day. Um, but are you almost betting on as uh, Fernando Tatis like just messing up his shoulder over and over again like every three weeks or just deciding it's enough is enough? Because um, Kim had some really good numbers. He's got great patience at the plate. Um, he's got some power, got batting average potential. Is he is he limited by the role, or is this someone you embrace now just assuming that the role is going to grow as we get into these deeper months? I think he's a little too timid at the plate. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure he's a hitter. He's a great fielder um, at all three infield positions, and he, especially shortstop, which is the big one for him. I With Tatis, I mean, that injury, he's got to have surgery on it. I think he's just trying to get through the year and hope it doesn't happen too often because, uh, yeah, of course, it, it pops in and out. But the, the good news is once you fix that injury, it tends to be fixed forever. I know a lot of people have had it. Um, and it does work. I mean, it's um, it worked for Mondesi. Too bad it didn't work for his legs. No. Um, but um, but yeah, I think that Kim is a little too timid at the plate. He takes too many strikes, and maybe he's just you know feeling out the major leagues, and maybe he's got another uh, maybe he's got another gear in him once he decides to. If anything, he's been a little too passive rather than uh, rather than um, too aggressive, which a lot of you know. A lot of young hitters, or because he's not really a young hitter, but I think he's feeling out the league, and, I, and, uh, and we'll see whether he's a major league hitter or not. Yeah, he's got some pop, you know, but whether he's going to be more than a utility infielder, open question. You know, one of the things I looked at when Kim came over, I ended up not writing it up, was a lot of the players that come out of the Korean league, the KBO, don't the power doesn't translate. Um, the other skills do a bit, certainly on base skills tend to, but the power tends to be what really keeps these guys from having uh, big time careers. Uh, there were, there's like been like four or five guys now. Um, and of course you take Shinsu Chu out of this cause he pretty much came to the United States at a young age, but the players who've had careers in the KBO and they come over the power just hasn't translated. Now you look at Kim's playing time. Um, there Tatis has missed 25 starts at shortstop. Kim's gotten 21 of them. <laughs> They did play Cronenworth uh, in the other four. Cronenworth at short is a stretch to me. So is Adam Frazier if they decide to go that way. So I think Kim's playing time um, is, is fairly solid as we go forward. I just don't think the bat's going to be there. I think, you know, he's a 250 hitter without much power. You know, the walks really have been there. It's a four to one strikeout to walk ratio, just 14 walks all season. Um, the, the catch though, man, he, he can pick it. He's played great defense at three positions. So I think that's going to keep him in the lineup. But I think if you're expecting him to hit well enough to play in anything but the deepest leagues, he's not really worth it. All right. Now, how about – Yeah, it's oh, interesting ahead. that he's got a 6% walk rate and he takes a ton of pitches, which means he's taking too many strikes. Yep. Uh, so Hoy Park uh, – it was Hoy Jun Park. Now he's just showing up as Hoy Park on Baseball Reference. Um, he, uh, he didn't play in the Green League. He came over when he was 19 right into the Yankees uh, Rookie League um, in Pulaski. It's it's been a rather insignificant career up until this year when he you know exploded for twenty points higher in batting average than he's ever had before. Uh, his on base percentage has actually been very good and consistent, but I mean it's like other world. It's up to four thirty nine this year. His previous career high was three eighty seven. Um, slugging's up. I mean he's hit eleven home runs, has eleven steals over two levels of the minors this year. Trades the Pirates. 
And it was like the day after the Pirates traded away Frazier to the Padres. So, um, I like, I don't know. Like, it, I don't know how to read these numbers. Like, the, the highest he's ever gone on home runs is seven. But that was his 21-year-old. So is this is this a guy who's developing and, and figured something out? Maybe, I mean, there's a big gray line where last year was. Maybe he did some work, um, you know, during the pandemic when he was at the alternate site, if he was even at the alternate site. Um, maybe he just, I don't know, got locked in somehow. The steals are real. Uh, the power has shown up. Um, Gene, is this, is this a guy who's developing or is this a guy who's just maybe gotten lucky with some home runs? But I mean, he, he's got the playing time with Pittsburgh, it looks like. I like his physical. I mean, I like the way he, I like his body type. It's, it's the kind that develops. But I'm not sure the, what the Pirates are going to do with him. I kind of expected them to just throw him into the lineup, which they haven't done. Um, so let's see what they do. I mean, he's, I think he's got potential, but I. I don't know enough about him to, to make an authoritative judgment. Joe? He was, I want to see him. Guys who – I don't trust the power up uptick. I think that's a, a – um, you know, I've got – was it 2,000 minor league at-bats, and I've just started driving the ball this year. I don't think that's real. Uh, I think he's a utility infielder. He looks – I hate to say this. looks a lot like the guy he'd be replacing in Kevin Newman. But Kevin Newman I thought was going to be this kind of 275, 350, 380 type hitter with plus defense, and he just hasn't hit at all. You look at Castro and Newman combined, and it's a 260 OBP. Now, Castro's got the shine with the five homers to start his career, but you know, I think at some point you got to take a look at Park. I don't, it's not going to happen for Newman. Newman's 27, and he's just, aside from what was it, 19 or 18, one of those two years, he hasn't hit. Um, I think you give Park a chance to be kind of your, kind of the role that uh, young O'Kong played for them for a couple of years, where he plays three positions, gives you some offense. He's not great defensively, but he's good enough to play. I think Park could step in and be that guy, um, but I would like—I would rather see him get 150 at bats here down the stretch than just give them to Newman. I think Kevin Newman's proven that you know he is what he is. What happened if, if Park? Absolutely. Oh, sorry, I was going to say if Park gets like yeah. five home runs, is that? I mean, is this like a power year that we can build on, or is it still like an aberration? Like, is this like the I, Brian Roberts next level power jump? No, I—I I mean, it could, I mean, let's say there's you know you took take 50 of these guys and two of them are going to be that. But no, I think Park is a you know, 270 with the really good OBP and doubles power as opposed to somebody who's going to hit you know, 10, 15 home runs. It's good for points, leagues. They'll take yes, it. I, no, I love and, – and this is where your format really matters. You know, There are a lot of guys – we talked about a couple of them today where like the, the Roto versus points or Roto versus strat score sheet value is really dramatically different. Or even if you're playing in an OBP league, a guy like Park's going to help you more than he will in a typical Roto league. So format is everything. And you know, maybe I need to make that point on a lot of these guys. But if I'm playing points, I could look at Park as a guy who I'm taking late in a strat draft next year. Because if I have a utility infielder with a, you know, a, a two-way 40 on base, that's an incredibly valuable piece. Gene, uh, are you a score sheet guy? I don't, like, I, I don't think we've ever crossed score sheet paths before. Um, yeah, I've done it before, and I, I like to do it. I play this sometimes. I play this historical uh, sim mm-hmm. game, which is based on the Tippett, um, uh, you know, the Tom Tippett baseball sim, and I, I find that really interesting because I get to use you, you know, Ty Cobb and uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson and um, Oscar Charlson and uh, on my teams and uh, and mix them in with um, Hideki Matsui. And, uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, I do like score sheet. I, I, I'm not playing in any leagues at the moment, but I do play a sort of weird thing with that Rob Miller runs where we play replay seasons. Like we just finished the 2010 series, 
and that's a uh, that's a score sheet league, and I'm about to start dumping in that because I uh, I had a great team, but it didn't win, and now I'm they're getting old, so I got to dump. And uh, in that team, teams win like 125 games. Because um, you can target certain really, years in a retro league, you can say I'm going to try to win in 2011. Right, that's you right. know the stats and, uh, that are coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a fun. Yeah, you're limited you in keepers. Right, you're limited in keepers, and you can't stash guys. You got to play them. If yeah. you don't play them, they um, so that that means that you got to use. You know, if a guy's struggling as a youngster, you still got to play him. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose him. So, no, that's a, it's a good format. It's an interesting league. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get back to real baseball, guys, on the fantasy baseball show. Whatever, nerd. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Torre I wanted to talk about a little bit because he's interesting. You, you, when he got traded to Seattle, like it was like immediately like, oh, no, they're, not, they're just flipping him for someone else. You know, he's not going to stick around. Uh, you know, immediately like, hit like two home runs in his first two games. Um, you know, he's, he's got some stats behind him. But I want to bring in a quote from the Joshian newsletter. Um, and Joe, I hope you don't mind. Like, I know this is behind the paywall and you got to pay and subscribe, but just a couple sentences. The reaction to this deal was insane because you know why? You perfectly encapsulated exactly what I was thinking about like all this weepy Kendall Graveman is gone stuff and these anonymous players like whining about Kendall Graveman being gone and what's the front office doing. And um, actually, I don't know, man. I don't want to put words in Gene's mouth, but I got a feeling like he's got maybe a similar sentiment. But anyway, uh, the reaction to this deal was insane. For a team that has four or five guys doing what Graveman is doing in the pen, but a desperate need for offense, adding Toro is a cheap upside play in the short term, in the short term, and a potential three-year solution at third base in the medium term. Um, I mean, if they, I mean, I think our feelings are known on the merits of the deal, but like, I, I just, I, I'm with you, man. Like, Kendall Graveman was maybe a revelation this year, um, but it's not like he's Craig Kimbrell. And, like, Abraham Toro has this – he could be – you're right, a cornerstone. I mean, imagine that Jake Bowers, Ty France, um, Abraham Toro infield for years to come. That's, like, our show in a nutshell. So, stop, uh, trying to make, stop trying to make Jake Bowers happen. It's, gonna, it's, it's happened. Not totally what do you mean? Happen. I'm not trying to make it. It's, it has happened, Joe. <laughs> Joe. Uh, 354 career slugging. 354 career slugging. He's no, he's no, he's no Jed Jerko. <laughs> Fine. I quit. <laughs> I, I think what people missed is that Toro was going to play a lot of second base over Dylan Moore. Now, Dylan Moore was the offseason fantasy darling because he had the, the, the strike year with all the, the homers and steals, but that's not a very good player. And Toro is a huge OBP uh, jump over Moore, which is exactly what that offense needed. Um, and then next year, likely as not, they declined Seager's option. Remember the, the president over the course of the, of the winter talking about that. Um, and Toro slides in at third base. The big the reaction though is predicated on this idea that Kendall Graveman is like you know Mariano Wilhelm, and again ten career saves. He's got ten career saves. He'd been a closer for I mean I got milk in my fridge that dates to before Kendall Graveman was a, was a closer, <laughs> which is probably a bad thing about my fridge. Uh, but I just I, I the reaction to it was overstated. And of course you know Jerry Depoto catches the bad break with two the two blown saves over the weekend um, in Texas. Just a brutal way for that trade to play out, but. Um, Graveman for Toro is a good deal. I mean, the difference between Graveman and Joe Smith over the course of two months, you know, probably isn't five runs. It probably isn't two runs. So getting Smith in that deal mitigates most of the loss of Graveman. But this idea that Graveman was a true talent, 0.87 pitcher, kind of drove a lot of this, which is, I mean, how much baseball do you have to watch to recognize that pitchers can go crazy in 30 innings and then go kablue? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's why you see, you know, you never draft saves kind of thing. 
fight. And I mean, we, he, in that trade was Rafael Montero. Rafael Montero picked up, what was it, 14 saves for the, the Rangers last year. And then went to was traded. The Mariners literally went out and traded him for him based on that. And he lost a closer job and about time has taken us to tape this podcast. So it's like we don't need to go very far in this trade to see an example of a reliever who was good for very briefly and then wasn't. Gene, uh, are you on board with Abraham Toro? You know, I had real doubts. And to some extent, I still do because I don't like his hard hit rate. But I got to admit, I mean, he's taken a big step forward in the last couple of years. And he may turn out to be one of these, you know, 280, 290, 20 home run guys uh, who takes his walks and is an effective above average player. I think that the Mariners should definitely find that out, and which I think they're going to do. And so he's got a chance. I mean, he surprised me, but yeah, he, uh, I think he's definitely worth watching, and I'd pick him up if I was if I was kind of desperate for something. I know the next one was Jake Bowers. We're going to skip him because I think you two have made your feelings known on Jake Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> on Jake Bowers. Um, so anyway, let's get moving on with the rest of this uh, the show. You guys, you guys want to talk about? I feel like I'm, I don't want to dictate this show. I just wrote a rundown, but. Gene, is anyone on your mind that you want to bring up and talk about? Someone you, you're, you're checking out? Uh, well, I was looking at the next guy on your list, and uh, the two guys on your list were Brinson and Alfaro, and I don't like Brinson at all, but I do like Alfaro. I'm not sure that I'm going to like him for the next year or two, but he's got all the earmarks of the late-blooming catcher, and in the meantime, you might as well hang on to him because he'll steal you a few bases and, and uh, luck into a few meatballs and pop him over the fence. I don't think he's a great player, but I think in – Two years, he's going to be a pretty good catcher. Brinson, I don't think he he strikes out too much. I don't think he's going to make it. We don't have to be rude on this show, um, but <laughs> I don't want to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's such a big guy. You know, I mean, he should be, and he's such an impressive physical specimen. But he just doesn't can't hit the ball. It's weird. Like in the, he's got such a good OBP in the minors. And the I don't know, Joe. Go ahead. Sorry. Go. go. I, they've heard they, this before. The, the way he talks about you know, he can't hit the ball. Well, that's a problem. I mean, Brinson is we, – we were kind of trashing Robles earlier, and Brinson's got a worse track record. He's never had a year as good as Robles is in 2019. He's three years older than uh, Robles. And I just – I feel like I'm surprised the Mariners – excuse me, the Marlins keep going back to him. But I mean, he is a plus defensive outfielder. That's the one thing where you say, okay, that warrants him playing, especially after the, the Marte trade. They traded actually their entire starting outfield from earlier this year. So there are going to be at-bats available, but um, 31 strikeouts, three walks. No, let me just say that again. 31 strikeouts and three walks. In case you didn't hear it, 31 strikeouts and three walks. That's not a major league player. Well, yeah. you guys have ruined all my favorite players uh, in the last 10 minutes of the show. Your favorite player is all... Sorry, man. <laughs> you got to pick different favorite players. <laughs> no, Joe. Never. I learned my lesson with Adelise Garcia this year. Who I had you, you know, all over the place. You did talk up Avasail Garcia one spring, and I remember we us going back and forth on that, and that's turned out really well too. So you make you you get your share of wins. I'm not that not yeah. And then I hold on so tightly to the other ones because it's the right. same logic that got me there, and I'm like, I don't know what's broken here. No, I'm with you. D'Angelo Jim Jimenez still has a chance to be a major league. <laughs> that was not one of my guys. <laughs> He's one of my guys for way too long. He might still be on a reserve roster in some strat league somewhere. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, and who? Brandon Wood. Same thing. All, all brings you to the same end, but just somehow, some way, they just you know they just don't put it together. And I don't believe in quad A. I feel like maybe they didn't get a fair shot, stuff like that. But I, don't I know. think some guys can be screwed up by their teams. I think Nick Senzel is in that place right now, where he's been completely screwed up by the Reds, and obviously he's had some injury issues as well. But um, I do believe there are hitters who 
just the, the step from the majors to the minors, which isn't as big as excuse me, the minors to the majors, which isn't as big as like we thought it was. It's all one big pyramid and it's more gradations of talent. But I do think there are guys that can hit in the minors and not in the majors and not because of anything mental. It's just the pitching's better. Speaking of Nick S's, Gene, Nick Solak, uh, what, what went wrong there, man? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's still got the broad base of skills, so I think they got a that team's got a they got a plan. Where? I think he's such a bad defensive player. Yeah, right. I he's such a bad defensive player that I think it was a very bad decision to just stick him at second base. If they're going to stick him somewhere, they should stick him in an outfield corner because um, at least he can run and run outrun some of his mistakes. I'm not sure that he's going to make it. Maybe he is a DH. But he's got enough offensive potential that a last place team like that should just stick him in a you know in an easier defensive position rather than second base because he's never going to be able to play that position. He's not. He's like Greg Jeffries, you know. If you guys go far that that far back, you know these guys come up as shortstops, and you're like, how did this guy play shortstop for five years in the minor leagues without anybody seeing that? <laughs> Miggy was a shortstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You mean Mercedes, um, I think, actually was had some shortstop in his back. Pedro Guerrero, Pedro Guerrero was a second baseman. There's a lot of that to go back far enough. Well, let me ask you, Gene. Now, they haven't, you know, they, they traded Gallo, the DFA doll. They still haven't called Solak back up, I don't think. So, I mean, is, is, is there going to be another opportunity for him in Texas, or have they just kind of given up on him? Maybe they've soured on him. I mean, I haven't heard anything to that effect, and I, I don't think that, you know, he was a second-round pick. I don't think that they're they're really eager to admit that they were that wrong. And he still has the offensive potential. I, I don't know what they're doing. If they don't call him back up in the next week or so, then yeah, then that tells you that he's not going to be with them for very long. But if I'm them, I throw, I put him in left field, right field, and see what he can do. They're throwing away a lot they're of that. I mean, they're using Culberson. They're using Holt. I mean, they're throwing away a lot of at-bats. Even right. some older prospects like White and Ibanez. you dare. I knew that was coming. Andy Ibanez, over the last 10 games, batting fifth a lot, has a 303 average, 410 on base, two home runs. Come on, Joe. Five walks well, so, six it, strikeouts. That's a Joe Sheehan 10, stat that you love. It, it's 10 games, so obviously it's real. Well, I mean, I could pull it back a little bit, but, you know, he was getting – but this is like – the 10 games is where he actually started playing regularly. I can go back no, a little I'm, farther if you'd and like. That, and that matters. That matters. I, I think particularly for, you well, I won't say young players. Ivan is 28 now. Um, but players who haven't been established, I think regular playing time is part of the equation. All right, his um, last 13. You can, you can screw up guys by not playing them every day. His last 13, he actually has better numbers. So I did myself okay. in by picking that nice round number. What about his last 39? You know, Joe, that's when he was playing infrequently. Taking a day off here, being pulled up and down, you know. Got a lot of ones under that GTM column in baseball reference. This is where the, the problem I have with uh, the, the Rangers have done is that they're just giving so many at-bats to guys who have just no future there. And I guess you want to play, you know, you want to put a decent defense behind the pitches. I get that. But, I mean, what, do you, what exactly are you doing for your future by playing Culperson and Holt? What are they doing for the Texas Rangers of 2022 or 2024 or 2026? Play these younger players, find out who's going to actually play for you, and just you can just DFA the other guys. Is, just, young, is young still hurt? Jung, uh, phonetically? But no, he's he actually been raking since coming back. What, he, what was it, a wrist injury or something? Still yeah, he missed he, half the year. Yeah, he missed. Um, yeah. No, since coming back, he's raking, but they haven't even moved him up from Double A yet. He's still at Double A. Um, I'm not sure he's going to make his debut this year. 
this is actually one of, I think, the side conversations about the next two months. I don't want to get us too far off track. No, we're done, man. I mean, we're done with the show, but I mean, I don't care about the last. I was going to ask you guys that sticky stuff if I ran out of, you know. I feel I feel like we're not going to see a lot of these guys. Like Adley Rutschman, um, Young is another one. Guys who haven't even been pushed up to AAA yet. So I don't think we're going to see the call-ups that we might have in another year, in part because you've got only the 28-man cap in September. That's going to limit the number of call-ups as well. And I think a lot of teams are going to see what the Blue Jays did with Vlad and say, you know what? There was some complaining, but there wasn't a ton of pushback, and Vlad's turned out fine. So we might not see Young or Rutschman or some of these guys until next May. Torkelson. Yeah. Hey, can I go back? If we're, if we're out, you had something on the rundown I'd like to circle back to because I want to hear Gene on this. Sure. La- last night. It's the Joe Sheehan show, everybody. Hey, just because I took the notes down. <laughs> Luke, in, in his first start with the Marlins, he threw just four four-seamers. They had him using the two-seamer basically at half his pitches and then working the breaking stuff in. I talked about the Marlins changing pitchers. They gave Pablo Lopez a cutter. They had Sergio Alcantara, uh, and I'm going to forget what it was now, but a curve, I want to say he had it. They've had, they've had a lot of success trading for guys and changing them and making them better. And I, that's why I really like them picking up Luzardo because, you know, Enosaurus at this obscure site, um, the Atlantic, I think, um, has written about Luzardo needing kind of change the pitch mix to add something. And then that first start last night, he basically abandoned the, the four-seamer. So I'm wondering, you know, is this something that was just a one-start off or is this something that the Marlins are going to have him do going forward? Well, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I agree with Eno in, in the sense that he definitely needs to change something about his pitch mix, pitch mix. But, as you say, with the Marlins doing what they're doing, um, they think that they've seen something. And he looked kind of he looked okay last night, I thought. Um, the results weren't great, but, he, um, but it is interesting, as you say, that he only – I didn't realize that, that he only threw four four-seamers. And that's – you know, his fastball has been a big problem. Right. So, so I think that's what's, what you're going to see is something like, uh, and he's still throwing a lot of them. I mean, he threw more for the A's this year. He threw more fastballs than he ever had before, and it was a bigger problem than ever before. So, I mean, at least the problem is the work is cut out. They know exactly what they've got to do. I mean, the question is, can he come up with that, you know, the extra juice on his slider or changeup to, uh, to put him over the top? But. He's still got potential, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with the Marlins doing what they did. Oh, I love the and trade. It's just the kind of trade that you should make. Absolutely. And and you getting you – because know, two months of Marte just doesn't have a lot of value for you. And, my God, that rotation could be something else next year if everybody's healthy, even if everybody's not healthy. You're basically seven deep on Major League starters who should be average or better next year. That's just phenomenal. Are you uh, – Yeah, they need a couple of left-handed hitters. Right. they they got to figure out the offense. You an Elysia Hernandez fan? Is that you count him among the seven? I do. I, I think he's a, he's a league average starter. And, you know, I wasn't at starting okay, the year. Okay, so, so not a fan? I don't, is, that, is that a fan? League average? Yeah. League, oh, yeah, I love league him. Average he's league starter. average. That's, you, that's an incredibly valuable guy. <laughs> I know. You got a guy who make 28 starts, 150 innings with a 370 ERA. That guy's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. I think he can do better than that. I mean, maybe not a lot better, but I think he's got number two starter potential. And uh, I drafted him this year and uh, regretted it. <laughs> but I mean, you got Matt. You've got well, he um, got Max hurt. Meyer. He got hurt. I mean, Sixto yeah, Sanchez will be back next year. Sure. Max Meyer, who was their what third pick in the draft a couple of years ago, he's pitching well at Double A. I mean, they just have so much depth. I think it's a fascinating winter for Kim Eng, who you know, as Gene notes, you know, maybe are they going to try to improve the offense through the market, which is not something the Marlins have ever really done. 
or are they going to try to take one or two of these young starters and turn them into a, you know, a five-year solution in the lineup, go out and get some protect, uh, some controllable young hitter who's out there. Probably not Nick Solak or Jake Bowers. Though. One of the things I was going to say about Lazardo is maybe what they'll do with him is not, is teach him a two-seamer rather than a four-seamer. That's what he was talking um, last night. And, oh, okay. Well, that's, that could be the answer. Although it didn't work last night. Well, I mean, five, it was five innings, three runs. He still gets hit hard. Like, yeah. In the zone. Like the, I want to say the max exit velocity last night was like 114. Like he still gets hit hard in the zone. But it just let's see how this goes. It was his best start. I mean, I don't know if it was his best start of the year, but it was one of his best starts of the year. I mean, he's only at seven now. But um, it was the first sign since April that, you know, the, the, the Jesus Lizardo, who was a top 15 prospect, is still in there somewhere. I I'm still, I'm still, you know, I actually started, I, I held on to him in mixed labor and I put him in the lineup last night. So we'll see. I'm a little bit invested. In, in five years, looking at the year 2026, do you guys think Frankie Montas or Jesus Lazardo will have the better, like if we look back and be like, wow, you know, he's better than him. Which one do you think will finish that race first? Uh, Gene, you go first. Wouldn't bet on either one of them. Um, All right. But I <laughs> That's a valid probably... answer. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, I was really high on Montas a couple of years ago, and he has done nothing to back that up. I mean, to me, he looks like he's just up there throwing the ball and hoping for the best, relying on on pure on pure stuff, which is not going to make it. I mean, there's just so many guys that are, that are in that boat, and they never take the they never take the extra step. And and I think he's one of those guys, and I think that. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at his strikeout to walk, and it looks okay, but, I, you know, I don't think he's really he's, – he has progressed not at all, and I, I don't – I'd be surprised if he did at this point. But anything is possible. I'm surprised. Jake Arrieta. Yeah, I mean, Arrieta's a great example of uh, – God, I remember watching Arrieta, one of his last starts with the Orioles. It was four rows up from the field, and just like, I guess this is never going to oh, So, happen. sorry, uh, Joey Moneybags here. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Montes, you know, I thought he'd be a reliever by now. And, you know, he's been a credible starter, you know, disappointing a little bit. But I still wonder if in two years some team's not going to just stick him in the bullpen and end up with, you know, some dominant reliever for three years. I, I, I think he, Montes' right. best year ahead of him is probably as a relief pitcher. So I'll take Luzardo in this little challenge. All right, that's fair. Uh, Joe's got to do a much more important radio hit, so we got to get going. Uh, I'm good. I still got a few minutes. I, I, I mean, we can keep going if you'd like. DVR gets angry. Say, what? You're out of things to say. Oh, no, I got plenty. I could bring up a billion other things Gene, if you would like. Gene, he's trying to get rid of us. I'm trying Gene to let you go. I have nothing. I'm <laughs> the one who has nothing left to say. D- a DVR likes <laughs> to keep these shows under an hour, and it looks like we're at about 54 uh, he's minutes got a, He's got a good point. That's The tolerance for podcasts taps out at around that point. Well, I don't know. I mean, you guys are like very good guests and analysts, and you should probably be doing more podcasts, to be honest. I do plenty. Of, I do, do. do plenty of radio and podcasts. I'm good. Yeah, but I mean, like the Joe Sheehan podcast, the Joe and Gene, Gene and Joe. I don't know. I don't know who you'd go first with. That. I did that. I did that one with Corey Parson once. That was fun. It was great. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I miss the old days, Nando, when we every Friday morning on Sirius XM. Oh man, when Sirius XM was good, wasn't that fun? Um, that show was fun. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, Corey and Tony Sincata, and uh, we got things done. Yeah, we we had a great DFS track record. I don't know if you go back and listen to those podcasts. Who are you taking tonight? We were like money nice. on those things. And people have told me that, too. Who you like tonight? 
I haven't even looked at it yet, but wait a minute. Say, wait come a minute. on, Joe. It's, it's still early in Colorado, man. I know. It's, it's early in Wait a minute. I have, that's wrong. I did look at it last night, and I'll tell you who I like tonight. Just give me two seconds here, and I'll give you one guy. Joe, why don't you uh, plug come. something while, while Gene's uh, looking it up? The Athletic Fantasy Podcast. No, come on. Man up, Joe. It's JoeSheehan.com. JoeSheehan.com. All right. Uh, All right. I got my cheap guy for, for tonight, on, in D, Alec Bohm. Okay. There you go. He's going to hit a home run tonight. What's driving that? Is it a matchup thing, a ballpark thing? Yeah, it's a mat- it's a matchup thing, and he's um, he's a better player than he's shown. I think. I agree. And he and I think he's ready to 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 do something coming down the stretch. And he's he's got all he looked good last night. He's facing a lefty tonight. Um, so I'm going to load up my DFS account just so I can stack Alex Alec Baum. Ah, he's cheap. Screenshot it. I'd like to see that, Joe. <laughs> I got to figure out what my passwords are on the DFS sites. The people demand proof. Oh, you can just say per- forgot passwords. Pretty easy. Any more excuses? Yeah. No, not really. All right. <laughs> All right, Gene. Prepare for some texts right around 6 o'clock Eastern today. Do <laughs> well. Sorry, I got Bowman there. Who else? <laughs> All right, we got to go. Uh, I want to thank Gene McCaffrey, uh, no longer on Twitter. So, I mean, just check him out, I guess, on The Athletic. Um, oh, God. How did you do it, Gene? Please tell me. What? How did I, I just quit? I went cold turkey. Oh, I have so much admiration for you. I know, man. We're all jealous of you here. There have been a couple of times when I've been tempted to go back on and then I say, why am I doing this? Why? Am I going to just get myself angry? I can't take the poison. Um, you know, I'm getting old, guys. I, you know, I want peace. That's what I want. So I seek peace and avoid conflict wherever possible. So anytime I want to tweet something, I'm just going to text it to Gene. <laughs> that's <laughs> a great idea. You got to email it to me. That's, right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Are you guys going to uh, first pitch? Joe, are you going to first pitch this I, year? The, the move to October just kills it for me. I, the way I cover the playoffs, I just can't take four days off for the travel and the, and the seminars. It breaks my heart. You guys know how much I love that. But until it gets out of October again, I'm kind of screwed. Yeah, I'm. I'm in yeah. football. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, but if I can, I know I'm not no can because of football. But if I can make it, boy, I'm going to make it. I, I'd it love to get that. Maybe I'll just like say, guys, I'm not going to cover the ALCS this year. You guys don't mind, right? I don't. Know, you <laughs> could do it from there, Joe. No, you, come on. Because if you go to this thing, you want to go to this thing. I don't want to go to this thing and be locked up in my room watching, you know, two baseball games a night, not being able to go to the AFL games or hang out. That's um, right. You know, the best part of it is, I mean, I, can, I literally can picture myself sitting with Gene at a ball game and Gene just telling stories. And we're watching the game and we're talking ball, but we're also talking about 15 other things. It's, it's a great trip. If you listen to this, folks, Baseball HQ, get all the information on First Pitch Arizona. You, you got to get out there at least once. It's an absolute blast. I've never gone. Yeah. Like 20 years of doing this, I've never, I've never made it. That's insane. 2015, I guess. I guess Fantasyland was 2015. It's 15 years, yeah. No, 2005. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I do. All right. Anyway, let's let Joe go do his radio show. <laughs> but no, I will, thanks for having me. I will, I will push you guys off air for the Gene and Joe show or the Joe and Gene show. <laughs> yeah, I got to go to work. I think it'd be good. All right. Gene's got to work. We got to go. Shout out Tim McMaster for producing uh, in place of uh, the moving Derek Van Riper. So for the man who will eventually come around on Jake Bowers, Gene McCaffrey. Thanks so much, Nando. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Joe. It's been great. And the man who only likes to look at 39-game sample sizes of budding 28-year-old prospects, Joe Sheehan. 
Nando, thanks for having me. Gene, it was a blast. I'm Nando Nafino. Yeah. We hope you enjoy this. Uh, give some love to Joe and Gene. Uh, I guess Gene into the universe and Joe on Twitter and check out the Joe Sheehan newsletter and joesheehan.com with 100% less blog spot. Hope you enjoyed it. We did. Bye, everybody.